Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We dig into the best World Rally Championship season in years and ask if Sebastian Ogier can win the title for M Sport. Welcome to a very special edition of the Autosport podcast. We haven't had the chance to talk a great deal about rallying in the past few months, so we thought it was time to really dig deep into the WRC, given it's been such a classic season. And accordingly, we've got something of an elite panel to discuss uh, goings-on in rallying this year. My name is Ed Straw, the editor-in-chief of Autosport. I wouldn't consider myself as part of that elite, so I'll keep quiet and let uh, my three experts guide you through it. So first up, we've got David Evans, Autosport's rallies editor. You've been enjoying writing about things other than Volkswagens winning endlessly this season haven't you yeah i have ed uh it's uh it's been a, a tremendous start to the year uh and yeah i look forward to uh, to discussing it in the next hour yeah and lobbying for more and more pages within autosport about the, absolutely about the and more and more podcasts ed if you do well if you perform <laughs> well we might let rallying back on a little bit as long as you don't clog up the place with too much uh, too much mud we've also got jos capito the former director of motorsport at volkswagen He's uh, fresh from a very brief stint with McLaren, but obviously you were with Volkswagen until, I think, August last year. So what are you doing at the moment when you're not recording podcasts? I'm talking a lot to David, <laughs> following to. the rallies, of course, following Formula One. Uh, I was quite busy 
to sort out all the opportunities what I'm doing in the future and I think it's sorted now and uh, I think it will be announced soon what my next steps are. And we've also got Colin Clark who requires no introduction I guess to followers of, of the WRC and rallying in general but of course those who perhaps don't know should just know he's known as the voice of rally via WRC Live so uh, let's hear the voice of rally. Oh, that's awfully kind of you Ed. Yeah good morning. Uh, absolute privilege to be here this morning very much looking forward to the next hour talking rally. I'm surprised you haven't talked yourself out already this year. You'd be wanting to have a big break before he's given it a go. Given what's going on. He's given it a good go, Ed. I have given it a good go. You know, but it has been one of those seasons where you haven't struggled to find things to talk about. There's been so much going on in the world of rally, clearly at the top level, but really in all all levels of rallying, uh, particularly for our British rally fans with the British Rally Championship back to where it needed to be a couple of years ago. But no, it's been it's been a good year to be talking rally so far. Well, let's delve straight into it. Obviously, the WRC has been a cracking season. We've had four winners in five rallies so far. David Evans, why is this? Obviously, we've got the new rules. That's a big thing. But also, there's a lack of a certain German manufacturer who's done quite a lot of winning in the past few years and perhaps made it a little bit predictable at times. So why has this been such a good year? I think any time that you introduce new technical regulations, you bring in unpredictability. You know, everything, not everything, but a lot changed uh, at the start of this year. The new cars with the center diff, the aero, you know, lots of suspension engine work. And suddenly all of the balls were back up in the air. Um, and from what we heard, and I'm sure Jos could fill us in, in much more fully on this, but the Volkswagen was a very, very competent car. Uh, and talking to the boys now that are working on the, the Rallycross project with, with, VW, with Volkswagen, for sure that there would have been an element that they would have continued to dominate. So once we lose them, then it opened the door up for for everybody. But the one point, you know, I think we have to make from the start is that we have been quite fortunate in that Thierry Neville made two mistakes quite early. You know, it, we could have been sat here talking about two winners or, you know, potentially even one winner because Neville didn't win in Mexico because he was rebuilding his confidence from the two mistakes he'd made in Monty in Sweden, which he would have won those rallies, make no mistake. Uh, and there's no reason once you're on that wave and you've got that confidence, you're rolling. And he could have won Mexico and then he did win in Corsica and in Argentina. So there's an element that helped us really shake the start of this year. But for me, definitely Volkswagen and the new tech regs, they're, they're the big things. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, David. But I think it's interesting this year is that we have a spread of talent across the teams. When Jost got involved with Volkswagen, and Volkswagen came into the championship full-time. The worst thing that happened then was that Sebastian Ogier took the money from Volkswagen and went to Volkswagen. Had he gone to Citroen or to M Sport, it might have been a different situation. But what we had with the Austin charge of the best team, uh, with the best car, with the best engineers, with the best testing facilities, and then the best drivers as well, made it very difficult. But what we have this year is we have a spread across the teams. We have a driver in Toyota who can win, quite clearly. We have two, maybe three drivers in Hyundai who can win. It looks as if maybe at M-Sport as well now. We've got probably a couple of drivers, you'd say, with Elvin Evans showing his form in Argentina. And clearly at Citroen, you've got Chris Meek who can win. Yeah, we might have had a situation where Thierry may have won four rallies this year, but he didn't. And I think we will continue as the year goes on to see the wins spread across the teams because each team has a car, a driver, a package that's capable of winning. And that's what makes it exciting for me. Now, in terms of Volkswagen, obviously we have no idea what would have been achieved this year, but obviously Jost, you're in a unique position to give us a view on that. Volkswagen would have been winning this quite easily had the 2017 Polo 
been out there as a works entry, surely. Uh, I think it's never winning easily in WRC, and the new regulations always pull the balls up in the air, as David said. But uh, Volkswagen started, I think, earlier than anybody else working on the car on the 17 wrecks. So, and when you see now that uh, the guys who left Volkswagen and driving now other vehicles, they are complaining about these vehicles. So, they know they did all the tests for the Volkswagen for this year. So, they know what the car with the 17 regulations is capable of. So, it looks like that the Volkswagen would have had the backup package. And uh, I think it also obvious because uh, the time... Volkswagen spent on that all would have been would have been advantage uh, a big advantage for last year we we did hardly ever tested the 16 car so when we went the pre-event tests we did the pre-event tests with the 17 car and not with the 16 car so the guys had to go to the rallies in 16 without any tests on the 16 car and we stopped complete developing the 16 car from end of 15. So it was full flat out when all the others still were developing the 16 car because the 16 season was going on. So I think Volkswagen would have had the right strategy, the big advantage and the right drivers for the 17 season because all three drivers would have been carried over from 16 to 17 and even longer term. So, um, um, Maybe for WRC in general, it's quite it's quite good that it didn't happen. But I think uh, as a manufacturer being in WRC, they have to do the very best. This is what I was paid for. This is why the team is paid for. And we have to win. So I think we prepared everything to be in the best possible situation in 17. How frustrating is it to have been involved with a car that isn't out there? Obviously, there was an attempt to get the car homologated for privateers to use, which would have been kind of against the spirit of privateers have to have a, have year old cars don't they so that would have given people a chance to see the car but obviously that was rejected and i guess it's no surprise that that wasn't perhaps smiled upon particularly by the other competitors but given your involvement in that car it must be a shame that you're not able to see what it can do and and the fruits of the work that went into it yeah, it's extremely frustrating when you put all your effort your heart blood and everything in the whole team works really hard to to be in a good position for 17 and then you can't go out and see it running and get the get the fruits of of the seeds the or the harvest of the seeds then it is it's really frustrating but it is what it is and i think everybody is looking forward and Volkswagen Motorsport, they do a good push, good push now in Rallycross, Rallycross in the US with GRC and Rallycross in the World Championship. I think it's fantastic what they are doing there. And Rallycross is an interesting sport for the future, for sure, for manufacturers. So is everyone in agreement that this would have been a Volkswagen year if they were still around? Well, I'm sure if we talk to to uh, to Michelle Nondon and, and to to Malcolm and, and people today, that you know they would have put forward a very strong case. And for sure, you know. I think the gap would have closed. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree with this, and I think the other guys have done a fantastic job as well, especially Hyundai. You see, for, yeah. for, for me, my view that the Hyundai have done the best job on the car for for seventeen so far, and I think this is uh, it's not blaming the others or putting something on the others when Toyota is completely new with a complete yeah. new car, first time, new regulations, and 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 so it's very difficult anyhow so they did a fantastic job winning the second rally it's the same as Volkswagen did in 13 yeah it's as good as this and uh, and Ford without any proper manufacturer support and Markham has to uh, do it all on his own as a privateer team being capable of running with the top guys 
is extremely is extremely successful and uh, deserves all the acknowledgement. But is that not the most astonishing story so far? And, and even if you know things do level out a bit, and Malcolm does le- lose his lead in the manufacturers' championship, which I think that the others are going to have to work very hard to get ahead of Malcolm. But for me, whatever happens now for the rest of the year, that is the most incredible story so far. You have a privateer team, which is what they are up against the might of Toyota. And, and OK, it's a new entry from Toyota, but it's a multi-million euro. Tens of millions of euros has gone into that project. We know that Hyundai have got an enormous budget. Citroen have got amazing pedigree and a big budget. The fact that Malcolm is leading the Manufacturers' Championship and the drivers after five rounds is an astonishing story. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. You might have said that Ogier would have a good chance of leading the Drivers' Championship, but you would not have put M-Sport there leading the manufacturers. No, and definitely, you know, Ogier's contributed tremendously to that. But at the same time, he's also been a big financial... He's had a big financial impact on the team, you know, because paying for, for Seb to come and drive the car, it's cost them, you know, potentially in areas that they could have developed elsewhere. As you said earlier, Colin, you know, we're now seeing the, the younger guys from M-Sport, Elvin and Tanak coming through, you know... Ogier didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't score any manufacturer points in Argentina. You know, and when, still when did they, that they... last happen, Yost? It never happened in your day. When, when was Ogier, without any particular problems in a rally, beaten by Latvala and Mickelson? I, I, I don't remember that happening in the Volkswagen days, and it's happened. You know, he's been well beaten by Evans and beaten by Tanak in Argentina. And, and as you say, he didn't score manufacturer points. Almost unheard of, but that is the strength. You know, three drivers, one who is clearly supremely capable, two others who are lifting their game. I think, I think Ogier is lifting the game for the other two. But you also, you also see there the regulations again. You know, the, the, starting the rally at the first. So if the cars are very close and there is nobody dominating, it is a big advantage to start first. I think if, if the regulations wouldn't have changed that you had have to start first, the first and second day, you would have seen completely different results. Yeah, Because Seb, uh, Seb couldn't win because he had to open the road in Argentina on the first day and got the disadvantage on the first day. And then on the second day, they are about the same. And if the cars are about the same, uh, then it is difficult. So the re- now when, when the, ca- the closer the cars are, the more impact you get on the regulation on opening the road, especially when you look at Argentina, where it is really bad to open the road on the first day. But I think as well, the other thing that we're seeing from, from OGA is a different approach this year. You know, he knew your car so incredibly well. He knew he could get in it, he could put it on the door handles and he could win rallies and he could win championships. He even, not... even with two days of road cleaning, yeah. he felt he could win. And that's not, he knew he could win, but he also felt he could win rallies. Like Mexico last year. Yeah. He had not a cat's chance in hell of winning. Yeah, yet he won. Yet he won. Yeah. Yet he won. Yeah, but, yeah, but oh. you have also to see that Seb developed the car at Volkswagen. Yeah, it was his car. It was in twelve he did it all, and the car had the strategy. We had the same technical director, the same engineers. So there is a continuity where it goes on in the development. So he has the confidence. And when he went to Ford, it was he had what one or two days testing before Rally Monte Carlo, and True, it's a yeah. car he just gets in. He had no idea what to is, what to do. And the cars, even the regulations, are very strict. The cars are very different and behave different. So now he has to try and to develop the car through the season to get it behaving like he wants to behave it. But because he's clever. He's clever. And it's what I think the point, David, I stopped you halfway through <laughs> your point there. It is a different approach this year. But he's still him. leading the championship. Because he's being clever. Yeah. Because he knows, he understands that one driver is probably not going to win four or five or six rallies this year. 
And while the rally winds are spread between four or five or six drivers, he knows that as long as he keeps picking up second, thirds, power stage points, he could he could go the rest of the year and only win Monte Carlo and still have a very very good chance of being champion this year. And he knows that. And that that's that's because he's a clever, thoughtful guy. Yeah, he knows when to push and when to hold back. He knows this, and that's what he used in the past. Yeah, and this gave him the hand over Yarimati, for example, because he knew exactly when he had to push and when not. And and that helps him now, for sure, at, at Ford as well and at M-Sport. And uh, for me, he's still the favourite to win the championship. All of that said, though, Auger, certainly in Argentina, didn't sound particularly delighted with the car. He said there was a strange feeling. I think he found a ditch early on, didn't he? So while it looks on paper like he's doing exactly that, he's got the right approach, he's banking points, he's only been off the podium once, which was the fourth place in Argentina. But it feels a little bit like the season could go either way from here. He could, as you said, go through the year, rack up enough points, not win again, but still win the title. But it could go off the rails a little bit. And we haven't really seen him challenged like that in recent years. But I think this is off the rails for Auger. This is this That's is him in, in crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Fourth place for him is a shocker. You know that was his first time off the podium from what Finland last year or something. And it was his longest run of podiums. He was he was set yeah. to break his run of his record of podium finishes, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. But but the thing is, you say off the rail, David. You and I saw him in the airport on Sunday evening, and he wasn't a man that was stressed. He no. wasn't a man that looked concerned. He wasn't a man that was panicking. No. Because he knows he knows that the reason he knows the reasons why he's not performing to the level he was last year. It's a lot to do with the active diff, and he's not got it set up the way he likes it. The thing that obviously encourages him and should scare everyone else is that when they do get that right on that M Sport car, uh, he will be a serious contender for every rally. And that can't be that far away. And he's very self-confident. Yeah, He's the most self-confident driver I've ever met. He knows what he's capable of and, and he knows if the car gets right and he knows he can get the car right because he's done it before. And the, the trouble that with that, Jost, is for the, the impact that has, has psychologically on the other drivers because they see when Auger gets in the car with that confident head on, they're beaten. Well, not all of them, you know, for, for sure. The likes of Neville and Mika are never beaten. But we saw it time and again with Yari Matti that, you know, by the time they left Service Park first thing in the morning, Yari Matti's head was down and he was struggling. And Augier, before they'd even started a stage, he'd beaten him. But should Augier be getting worried about Neville getting some points on the board? Obviously, he's won the last two rallies, uh, Corsica and Argentina. The Hyundai looks to be on balance the strongest car. And we could see a run of wins that even consistent point scoring can't do anything about. I think definitely, you know, Neville is now, he's back into that kind of purple patch that we saw him at the end of 13 when, when he was with Malcolm in the in the Fiesta. And he, the second half of that year was absolutely phenomenal. And he's such a confidence driver. And he's, we've seen him go down from there and we've now seen him come back up and he is right on it now. But there's no doubt in Argentina, he took a lot of risks. You know, you look at his onboards and he talked about, you know, not absolutely by no means cruising, but he, he talked down the pace that he was turning in, in certainly in sun, on Sunday, but he was all over the place. He Saturday was morning. He had two enormous yeah. moments where, uh, you know, a little bit of bad luck, and, and that's that's a Chris Meek style off. You know, he was two wheels and just getting it back on again. Yeah, but these, this but, is the luck that you get when you're, when you're, when you're winning. But, and but you could also argue that he threw away two rallies because of that approach. So if he'd, if he'd throttled back a little, if he'd chosen his moments in Monte Carlo and in Sweden, he could have been leading the championship by a long, long way. Didn't have to win Sweden and 
and Monte Carlo. But I don't think it's that easy. You know, if you say you back off, then you back off and you lose the confidence and then you get beaten by others and you get down again. It is, it's easy to say you back off a little and then you can do better. It, it is not. I think they have to go the pace and he has to get the confidence in his pace. And if you are, If you are confident and you are lucky, then you, 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 the luck is with you if you have the confidence and if you have the speed. And But I've always felt, Jost, that these drivers, the top drivers, they have, they have, they have two paces. They, they really do. And, and Loeb was the absolute master. Loeb's comfortable pace that he could drive every single stage of every single rally was a pace that forced the others to go to their top gear. Their absolute risk. What we're seeing from Newville just now. I always felt they've got two. They've got two paces. They've got the comfortable pace, which is your your podium pace, and then you've got that little bit extra, which you go to when you want to win rallies. We didn't see it very often from Loeb, but when we did see it, it was utterly spectacular. But I, I believe this comes when you have won a world championship. This is the confidence you get through this. As long as you haven't won a world championship or haven't won, and you see that at Neville, he hasn't won a lot of rallies before, isn't it? And not not one rally that that he won because of just of his speed. He won because others did mistakes, and then look at Rally Germany, and I won't remember this happily, but yeah. it's, it wasn't a good place for you, yours, was it? <laughs> yeah. But but if you have won the world championship once or twice, then you have the confidence you have achieved what you wanted to achieve, and then you get the superiority. And the psychological. And exactly, you get yeah. this in head. You have been world champion. You are world champion. You can do it, and then you can adapt to these kind of two speeds that you have that Sepp has, and as as much Loeb has. But as long as you see it, Yari Mati, he hasn't been world champion. He has to push and push and push. He has to get this title. And Chris Meek's the same. Yeah, Chris yeah, Meek yeah, is yeah, the same. It's right. not that they can do it like uh, like somebody who has one, two, three, four world championships on his belt. And for me, at the minute, Ozier not even going near his top gear. No way. Because near. there's no there's at the minute there's no real need. He's getting through these early months of, of not teething problems, but finding his feet in the car. And like you say, once he does, he'll be but away. Here's a, can I ask a question, Ed? Do we think so we've still got Ogier as the potentially the, the world champion this year, probably still the favourite. I think the fact that he has now two very strong teammates adds to my confidence that Ogier can win the title. I think for Neuville to become a proper contender this year, either Sordo has to up his game and find some consistency, or more, uh, perhaps importantly, Padden has to up his game. No, Andreas has to get in. Or Andreas <laughs> has to get in. But he needs, that would but be nice to he see. Needs, you know? He needs a wingman. He needs support to take points when things aren't going his way in the power stage. He needs someone to take points off Ogier, to take points off his main title challengers. Right now, he doesn't have that, whereas Seb has got two really competent wingmen out there just now. Is that going to have perhaps a say in how the, the title pans out? Absolutely. But, you know, for me, Hayden, it can't get much worse. Things have to improve, Hayden. But I think we really do need to, to come over to, to Jost and, and ask. I'm sure you've kept in touch with Andreas. Is, is there anything that you could tell us about uh, where Mr. Mickelson might go? No, of course, I'm in touch with Andreas because I'm a big believer in Andreas and I follow him and we are in touch. But there's nothing I can say because he keeps it confidential as well. And he told me as soon as there's anything to say, he will let me know, of course. But uh, I think he, he has to be in a WRC car, there is no doubt. For me, he's a very strong driver and he developed so so well. And it's a shame every rally for me to see that he is not in a WRC kind. And you see he's a WRC too. He just steps in that car and how he dominates. Eh? He does whatever he wants there. But Josti needs to get in a car soon because things are changing. The dynamics of the championship are changing. Evans wasn't a contender in Mickelson's eyes last year. He is now. Tanak 
was a part-time contender to Mickelson's position. He's a proper contender now. Now, by the time that Mickelson gets back in the car, we might have seen Esa Pekka Lappe tearing the stages up. We mm-hmm. might have seen... We might. We might, David. <laughs> we might have seen... Who's the other young Finn that's going to be in the M Sport car? Um, Suninen. Suninen. Yeah. You know, these are drivers who could establish themselves in the pecking order above Mickelson if he doesn't yeah, get in a car I soon. just got to jump in here. I, t- I disagree completely because you look at, you know, you look at these young guys coming through, you look at the Tiedemans and the Sunanans, they were all racing Andreas in Monte in Corsica. They were nowhere. He destroyed them. He will, for the next f- six months, he can jump in a car and he can be, within a day or two, he can be right yeah, on Even pace. if it's next season. I think he oh, he has the confidence. The late. cars didn't. No, too it's late. not. No, it's not too late. But the issue is now there Evans is no. Will win there two is no before the end of the year, <laughs> and Ev- Evans will win two rallies before it, the end of this what? year, and he will be the choice. If yeah. you're if it's, you're looking at Citroen for another driver, if you're Toyota for another driver, Evans is effectively out of contract. If he wins two rallies, are you going to put? Untried, untested, rusty Mickelson. Absolutely, in your car because I would reverse. I would take you straight. <laughs> I would take you yes. straight back to Rally, yeah. Rally Australia last year. He beat Auger. The final day, you don't lose that. You I, don't lose. Yes, that. you do. No, you yes, don't. you do. And you don't look back too far to see that. You do lose it. You do lose it. You lose it mentally. You don't you lose, lose it, it this quickly. Not for a young guy that's that's Mickelson. That's I, so I'm a huge fit. Mickelson fan. And right. I say, what what astonished me about Australia was that we saw a different Mickelson in Australia, Yost. A very different Mickelson. He, he was given a different role. It was a free role in Australia. And it was him against Latvala for that seat at Toyota. And Latvala did what Latvala has unfortunately done a lot of in the past. He took himself out of the equation within the first stage by hitting that bridge. Whereas Mickelson rose, rose to the challenge. And he drove brilliantly. And he put pressure on Ogier. Ogier made a mistake and Mickelson won. He should have had that seat then. I fear that if we go another six months till next year, there'll be too many people ahead of him. Just looking back at what's been going on with Mickelson, why exactly isn't it he in a, a top-line car yet? Because, obviously, he was caught out at the start of the season with Volkswagen pulling out late. He was the odd man out. Auger and Latvala found berths at M Sport and Toyota, respectively. And then we heard he was probably going to turn up in a Toyota and then he tested a Hyundai and everyone was saying he'll be in a Hyundai, possibly even in a fourth car, people were suggesting. And everyone was saying, yeah, by Portugal he'll be in a car and there he is, entered in the Skoda R5 car again. So what, what's the reality of this? How close has he actually got I th- to being I think in a car? he came incredibly close at the start of the year to Toyota um, and then there was pressure brought to bear somehow on Tommy. But equally, I've spoken to Tommy about this and Tommy said, you know, for him... They needed a driver who could develop the car with real experience of developing cars. Latvala had more experience of developing that car, of developing cars, than than Mickelson did. That's a fact. But you know. that's not the question. That is not the question, David Evans. The question is, why didn't Toyota go with the two of them? You know, why? Why? Yes, there is a relationship between Mackinnon and Hannon, and, and, and we have to respect that. And it's great to see that a team boss does respect those personal relationships. But at the end of the day, it's just ludicrous. We talk about the choice between Evans and and Mickelson, and that would be a difficult one. There is no difficulty in deciding between Mickelson and and Hugo Hannon. It is a no-brainer. It's like me saying, I want to drive that car, or you can have... I think you has probably got the legs on you in all that. Well, yeah, but I know, but, but you know I, the I point. Would, That's I the point. Is why, why? Tommy, Tommy you know, made it quite clear that this is a development year, 
and he wanted Yuho, the guy who developed the car for the last year, he wanted him to go through the whole process. There's no room at this level <coughs> no, 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 for sentiment. And we're seeing that with Hayden Padden right now. Hayden Padden and John Kennard. You know, the situation with Hayden Padden, John Kennard wanted, because of whatever reasons, Rally Finland to be his last rally. There's no room for sentiment at this level of sport. Things are going wrong. I'm sorry, you're off now. But that's, hang on a second, we've got to put that to bed here. There's no issue as far as I can see, between Patton and Kennard in, in the car. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. But there's also, you know, it, it did feel as if he was just, you know, treading water, waiting, right. waiting, 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 is my point, when things are going wrong and things can be changed. But, you know, for me, yeah, I understand that I wanted the guy who'd done the development to drive it. But at the end of the day, it is a brutal sport, you know, and you've got a manufacturer who demands success. And yes, they've had it at the start of this year. But at the minute, they're not demanding success. success right now. You know, that that's the point. It's a development year. They they want success next year. Uh, but to, to come back to your point, Ed, he was very close to that. And I suspect he remains very close, still talking to Tommy, still talking to Hyundai, I'm sure. Uh, but for me, the surprise as well was Citroen. You know, what on earth was Citroen doing? They could have got him for not a huge amount of money. And then, you know, you look at, Chris Meek, what a sen- you know, okay, there's been the occasional hiccup with Chris, but what a sensational speed he's shown when everything's gone in in his favour. For me, Citroen could have been right on there for the Manufacturers' Championship this year if they'd had Andreas alongside Chris, because there's no doubt Chris feels some sort of burden when he's got two young guys. You know, in, in fairness, uh, you, Craig Breen has done a sensational job sensational. and really stepped up to the plate. Sensational job, but, but you're quite right. Breen, the Breen as the safety net underneath Mickelson and Meek yeah. would have been an extremely, um, extremely strong so if, team. If you want to win the Manufacturers' Championship, Citroën is not in the position with this driver lineup. But if they would have gone Andreas, they would have been in the lineup to win the Manufacturers' Championship. And for them, it's not a practicing or an introduction year or something. They are expected to win. Yeah. Uh, what is going on with Citroën? Obviously, it was a shaky start to the season. Chris Meek had the win in Mexico and then Argentina went badly wrong. The car doesn't seem to be responding very well in terms of suspension setup ride. What, what What's going on there? Is it is it a setup thing? Is it a mechanical design exactly thing? Is it, about, is it about the the, uh, the active centre diff, which seems to be quite a big no, tool I think, in terms I think of setup it, and the way the drivers the interact with it? Immediately on the head there, Ed, that it, it is a suspension. You know, they went with the wrong setup in, in Monty. The car wasn't right. Uh, at all you could see that standing at the side of the road you could see that it just didn't work in in monty it didn't work in sweden but they were both very specific events and very specific issues with the car we came out of there went to mexico and the car was quick and the car worked and it will you know predominantly on gravel rallies this year it will work again you know the issue in argentina it was a very high speed kind of a compression and the bottom of the car they they maybe the car was running too low i don't know but it was a specific issue for those for that car on that corner i spoke to to the that, team that's the first accident for me <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah the second one yeah, the yeah, second the one was was but, a small know, error ran wide but absolutely, the, the, the but first accident which basically on the both same corner that, the same that Breen had, yeah. but we'd seen in the first stage there was a compression or something and the car went absolutely sky high and we saw you know neville had the same issue but it was absolutely exaggerated in the Citroen they do have an issue but you know they're working Yves Matons told us they're working with Olin's working towards a, 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 a suspension solution um, and it and it will come but again these were specific issues on a specific rally Argentina you don't find these kind of stages and rocks so much in on European gravel 
you have to consider that every rally is different and this makes the WRC so difficult and complicated because you say you don't find this situation at another rally. You have always situations and specific points at rallies, even if it's tarmac or if it's gravel, that you don't find at any other. And uh, there you have to have a car that is balanced everywhere and that can cope with situations you can't predict, you can't test and you can't calculate. And this makes rallying so much different from circuit racing, where you know the where you have all the data from the circuit, you know all your forces. And with rallying, you don't know these. And you know, if you do a car that if you do a tank that never breaks, it is too slow. Yeah, you have to find a certain compromise to say, yeah, if 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 something gets completely wrong, things break. Yeah, and uh, otherwise, uh, you are too slow with the car. And you have a tank that is so much overweight. And that's I think that's the point that that suddenly everybody realized you know when you were testing you went to mexico in was it 2012 uh and people kind of you know really do you need to go to mexico to test and you absolutely demonstrated that you did because volkswagen arrived at every rally with a car that could win every rally you know when we went to mexico in 12 for the test the cars didn't start on high altitude that just didn't start. They started, started stopped uh, up there. The cars didn't restart. If we wouldn't have done the test in Mexico, we would have uh, all three cars stopped in Rally Mexico in 13. That's incredible. And, you know, that, but that shows the worth. And, you know, that for me was one of the big surprises with Toyota last year. You know, they had the ability to go around the place, test everywhere, and they didn't. They didn't go to Mexico. They did no high altitude testing. And I think, you know, a little bit they will pay the price for that. Well, you say that. They're all really having a way better season than anyone, I think, could forecast. So, uh. why, why is that? Obviously, coming into the season, there have been all sorts of rumours about how disastrous mm. the car's been and going back into last year. Everyone's expecting this is going to be terrible. You know, second for Latvala on, on Monte Carlo Rally was good, but winning in Sweden, nobody nobody expected that. So, what what's happened there? Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the input Latvala had in terms yeah. of the, the setup. So is that's, that just unlocking the underlying no, again, potential? Uh, you, that's exactly where it, it exactly where it is. Ed is is the Latvala key because without Latvala, you look at their results and their results are very average. You know, Hananen would have struggled, uh, and Esapekalapi has no experience. But f- for me, they the the second place for Latvala in Monty was fortuitous. But you know, Monty's that kind of event. They 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 gambled and they they came away with the result. But also Sweden, they really banked on Yari Mati's experience. Uh, and that's where. And then you look now. You look at their results in Argentina, and they're not quite they're there. Struggling a little. Yeah, but and I th- yeah. So, I was just going to say, Jos, that that uh, the first part you said, Ed, was you know how come it looked such a dog at the end of last year, and it did. You know, it did. You saw the time when when Jos, when your boy, when Sebastian Ogier tested the car, the video footage that came out, people were questioning whether it was Ogier in the car. The car was 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 driving so bad. It's like that can't possibly be Ogier in that car. But what you have to remember is that that car was developed by a driver who had never driven a tarmac stage competitively in a world rally car, Juho Hannan. Tommy Mackinnon, who has a very specific testing style, and his experience goes back a decade. Uh, Esapeka Lappi never tested it, but the other boy whose name I forgot earlier on, he also tested it. So before Lapvala got into that car, no one had driven it who had any recent experience of world rally cars. And I think that's why Lapvala's input was so crucial was so crucial because he could actually bring relevant experience. The others can do the endurance testing. They can do uh, testing within their experience range. But as we know, you know, WRC has moved on so, so much 
You needed a Latvala. Yeah, you also need a comparison. Yeah, you need to need a guy who knows uh, with Latvala coming in. They know exactly. He knows exactly where the 17 bowler was. Yeah, and all the other drivers haven't been in any competitive WRC car, so they had no idea where the performance has to be. Yeah, and and Yarimati knew that this is why it was so relevant for Toyota to get somebody in who has uh, experience with a competitive actual rally car. And coming back to where they are, I think if you just compare the results of the rallying, you never get the picking order. So you have to look at the when when the stages go well for everybody and comparing then the the times of the stages and uh, get the feeling of the running order, what it means, and then you can get the feeling. What is the car and the driver combination? Uh, what is the competitive ranking? And I think you know that better than anybody, David. Yeah, for sure. And I think right now we're we're looking definitely at a truer representation of of where they are. And for me, one of the big shames is that Latvala didn't get in there earlier because clearly he affected some change quite quickly with the car. Um, but it was limited because the car was already more or less homologated. Yeah. So you know the the actual impact he could have was very limited and you wonder had he been involved pre-homologation just how much of an impact he could have had do we want to consider Latvala as a credible championship contender obviously he's second in the championship he's only 16 points off Ogier he's two points ahead of Neuville obviously after that strong start the results have been so so since do we just accept I, this I, is a learning I year I think at the... this point we really have to hand over to Jost and, and ask Jost because Jost has been through some time with, with Yari Matti and where guess, do you I, think is where is his head right I now I guess there's two questions aren't there there is the Yaris capable of doing it and is Latvala capable of I being consistent enough before to, to... we go anywhere we could all four of us sit around this table and say we would love to see Latvala as a world champion because he is the nicest guy in the sport and probably the most deserving you know he puts Everything he has into this sport, um, Jost. It would be a shame seeing him retiring and not having been world champion. That that would break my heart. Yeah, because he's such a nice guy. He knows everything. He lives and breathes rallying every single second. Yeah, when there was this competition with with journalists and and him about questions about rallying history, he won. You know, he knew more than any of the journalists about who won which rally. And he is he is the rally guy from birth, isn't it? And and to see him retiring without world champion would break my heart. And he has the speed. For me, you know, you look at when on certain rallies when all of those ducks are aligned, he can be Ogier. He can still do it. He can still do it. And up until two or three years ago, I, I would always have strongly defended the view that Latvala was the naturally, naturally the most uh, gifted, quickest driver in the championship. I, I'm not sure that's the case now. I'm genuinely not sure. But he still has that capability, but as maybe, you say, to, to, to turn it on and to do special things in a rally car. Maybe that's come around full circle and maybe he's lost a bit of the speed and gained some of the consistency. And to answer well, your yeah. question, if that's the case this year, then yeah, he's no. absolutely a credible no, threat. he can't win. He can't if. win because of the point I made earlier. He cannot win because he doesn't have a wingman. He doesn't have, he doesn't have someone helping him. He cannot win the championship this year. Yeah, I because also, he, yeah. he, won't, he won't win rallies. He won't win many more rallies. But he doesn't have someone taking points off the others. Whereas Ogier, with his fourth place, still has other drivers in front of him who take points off the main opposition. Latvala doesn't have that support. Yeah. No, and he also, he also doesn't... It's not just a matter of the, the point situation. It's the development of the car. You know, the car, okay, you know, they're allowed a couple of jokers during the year. And the car will develop, as we know, the cars all develop as the year goes on, but they only develop at a rate if you have two, three cars finishing. 
If you only ever have one car finishing in a rally, surely that means the rate of development is 50% of its potential. But also, for that development to work, you need two or three drivers with absolutely relevant experience. You know, you need the right feedback. Yari Matty can, can develop the car, but he could develop it. He could go down the wrong road. Because... Mickelson, bring it in. <laughs> Mickelson. I must admit, I'm beginning to be convinced that Mickelson should be in a Toyota. It's making a lot of sense. Absolutely, it does. For me, it makes the most sense. I don't understand the link with Hyundai. It makes no sense at all. I don't think he'll go to Citroen, because I think OJ will go to Citroen. Uh... I think Toyota is the place. I think whatever team who really is is really focused and really wants to be world champion has to get Andreas in now. If they want to be world champion this year, for sure. And does Hyundai need it? I don't know. Does Toyota have the aspiration to be world champion this year? Probably not. But for me, we're starting to move into it towards the second half of the year. And once we're there, then forget Andreas Mikkelsen. He's not the issue. We then have to wait for Ogier. Where does Ogier go? Because he is then, suddenly he becomes the prime mover in that driver market. And wherever he goes, everybody else will fit in. But for sure, Andreas will be back in a car next year. Yeah, but, you know, for, for me, when I were being in charge of a team, I'm thinking about next year. But it's this year is the case. And this year, every all the four manufacturers can be world champion. Still, still, still think they still Toyota. can all be world champion, and even Toyota. And coming in and saying, "Okay, it's a devel- we can be world champion, but it's a development year." So forget the world championship. You said the I same would thing never, you asked in 2013. <laughs> you did. That's you very true. You well said it's a development year. <laughs> you weren't we're, up for winning. Ah, yeah. It was a development year, but it I never re- said that we don't want to win. No, but I remember talking to you in Monte Carlo, and you genuinely—either you genuinely or you're a very good actor. You genuinely said the target for the year is a podium or two. I have to say right now, Jost is a very good actor because we've talked subsequently about the pressures in, in Monty that year. And you said that, but then we've talked about it afterwards. And there was a massive desire to hit the ground running and win the championship. Yes, but it was it was a development year and we didn't know where we got. But when you win the first rally and then you win the second rally, then you change your objectives. Should yeah, and this is change. and if you and if you can f- for me, if you are in a situation that you can win the championship, you do everything that you win it. Yeah. Even if it is a development year or not, it's still a development year. But if you are in the position that look I, when I see what is around, even if I'm in development year in the first year and I can win the championship, I get fully focused and do everything, everything I can to win this bloody championship. Yeah. And that's where Toyota's at right now. They can, like you say. They can. But it's such a simple But you thing. have they to might... see, you have to see, yes, and they can, and they want. Yeah. 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 And that's the question. And there is this continual question over, you know, what does Tommy want and where. Who answers the ultimate question? You know, is it coming from Japan or what? But th- like we said, it there is a very simple solution of just employ and dress. There will never be a more simple solution to give yourself a chance of winning a championship. You know, to 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 compete next year against what will be a strong Citroen, a strong M Sport, a strong Hyundai. Toyota will have to do something exceptional this year. All they have to do on the face of it to give themselves a chance of either drivers or manufacturers is get the checkbook out and yeah. put Mickelson but in But it's car. not only Toyota. It's the same Citroen. Citroen, yeah. Citroen can still yeah. win the manufacturer yeah. championship, but if they want to win, I'm fully convinced they need Andreas. Yeah, and and, uh, and it's for the others as well. And uh, I, I, I would struggle to see, having talked to, to many people in the Citroen team, I, I would be surprised to see him there. But absolutely, you know, for the reasons we've, we've discussed... It makes complete sense. It depends what you are willing to do to win the championship. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, you know, 
how much demanding you are to win the championship, what you're willing to do. And the right. resource you've got as well. Because, but, but you know, it's about being adaptable, though, isn't it? As, as Josh said there. And that, that, to me, is the most interesting thing. It's about recognising an opportunity and actually being responsive enough to take that opportunity. You know, is the Toyota organisation responsive but and we know that But we know that within Pupola and the factory, we know they're responsive enough because they've got a third car coming in Portugal. So, you know, take... That was planned. That's uh, not responsive. That was planned. That was planned but, uh, from December last okay, year. Okay, they're, so they're responsive at the start of the year. But then take take out Lappi from that car and put Andreas in Simple. it. You know, that's the responsiveness. Okay. If you want to win. If you want to win. Who'd have thought that a driver who's going to be in WRC2 in the next event would have been such a talking point? <laughs> <laughs> this is, but this uh, is just brilliant. before we go, Ed, before we move on to the next point, I have to say, for me, Portugal next week is such... A big challenge for for Andreas, you know, in Monte and Corsica he did well. He beat you know those key guys, but suddenly Portugal, it's a packed entry. It's one of the compulsory WRC two rounds. Everybody is there, and Andreas has the biggest target painted on his back ever. He, he can he can drive at ninety percent and he'll still win it. I have to say, I think you're right. Looking at the drivers' championship, are we therefore saying it's kind of Auger Neuville that should be the the battle for the season? Or is I, it a little bit presumptuous to? I would, I would say that? so. Yeah, I think for me, it's going to, it is going to be those two guys. Um, you look further down the order. You know, Meek was definitely he was looking good, but it's a, it's, it's a real is, struggle for this guy to come back from where he is now. It's been a really bad year for Meek, really, hasn't it? This was a big <laughs> chance to go for the championship, and he's this, down. He's only got twenty seven points. But this was the it's first. Almost, it's already gone the title shot, has it? Surely. I think the title has gone for this year, for sure. And now it's about Chris winning rallies. And in fairness to Chris, this is the first year he's had a full-on proper factory team behind him. Last year, he did the occasional rally here and there while he was developing the car. The years before, he has been always stressing about whether or not he would be at the next... Not at the next rally, not quite that bad. But, you know, really wondering about... Uh, his future, his future. And, yeah. and now he's got his future absolutely guaranteed we've discussed Monty Sweden with definitely you don't need to go over that again Chris Meek has the speed to win the championship he is among the fastest drivers in this does he have the consistency I well, thought we he's were... not made mistakes this year okay you could you could clearly argue the monster role in Argentina when everything was beyond him on day two was a mistake. The first one is very debatable Absolutely, about whether that yeah. was a mistake. No, that's you, a, you I think that's his only mistake. You look, no, Sweden, Sweden, there was an error of judgment you know, on that day when he went a bit wide. And, no, Sweden, and the car was horrendous. The, the car was difficult to drive, but but that that when he had that off on the fast, he, he said it himself, it wasn't a sixth gear flat out left hander and he shouldn't have been flat out. You know, okay, so that, that but for me, that's the only really obvious mistake he's made this year. Uh, it was a bit of a small one in Mexico, just towards the end there. Well, maybe towards the end. Uh, memory fades a little bit at times. But um, he's been impressive. And with a little bit more luck in particular in uh, Corsica, he still would have been there. But I totally agree. I think his chances now are gone. And it is a two-horse race between Neuville and uh, Ogier for the title. But, but, if, you know, but, 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 but Meek will play a big part in that. Will. In, this, in who wins this year's title. As will Latval in some way. Yeah. But, he's not but I, I would just like to ask Jost, you know Chris better than any of us. You've spent a lot of time enduro bike riding with him, and you know the guy well. Would you have employed him at Volkswagen? Yes, I think I said it. Uh, I said it before. I went two years ago. I said if I would have a space or a force car, it would be Chris being in the car. I didn't have any reason to change any of the drivers that that we had and get anybody in. Nobody, whoever it was, but I would in- employ Chris. Yeah. If you had your day again, Jost, and you were given a, a checkbook now. 
to go and set up a WRC team and you had three drivers to find, <coughs> which three would you go for today, seeing the talent that's coming? So you've got to have two established drivers and a rising talent, which is what you would do in a three-car team. Who would you go with? Yeah, I think Sepp is the obvious option. Yeah, you want to have Sepp. If you want to win the championship and you are serious, uh, you have to have Sepp. And um, I think I would go for Andreas. And uh, I don't know if you regard Andreas as the young driver coming up or not. <laughs> I don't think so. I think one. he would be one the established one. And uh, I think me personally, I would go for Suninen. I can see that. Yeah, Suninen's shown some speed. It's a big gamble. I like Suninen's intelligence. He's got yeah, obvious he's a clever intelligence. Guy. He's a clever guy. He learns rapidly. You know, from, from, from one loop of stages to the next. It's yeah. like chalk and cheese. Really struggles with new conditions. Uh, but he works it out. He works out how to roll more quickly. He comes back in the afternoon, bang, he's on the pace. He makes further improvements the next day. It's that improvement every time he gets in a car that I like about Yeah, him. he was in circuit racing and he was impressive in circuit racing. Very impressive. So I think he would have the capability to make it up to Formula One even. He was that good. And uh, and then he goes on gravel and he is as good on gravel as he is on tarmac. And this is a very rare combination. And uh, and then he learns quickly, yeah. And he is so not emotional, quiet, th thoughtful. Does everything with logic, and uh, yeah, he's. he's it's quite I think he's he, for me. He's yeah. a perfect rally driver. Yeah. That I think. Going back There's to no Poland. pressure on him. No, <laughs> going back to Poland. One of the biggest things for him will be the step from an R5 car to a 17 car. Because it is huge, uh, and it probably the biggest gap we've ever had uh, in terms of, of stepping right and up to the top. Has anyone else done that? Is there anyone else? There's no one, is there, than the 17 really, cars no. that hasn't. All the other drivers in 17 cars have they? But I believe if somebody is really good and capable, it doesn't matter which car he gets in, he can drive everything at the competitive level. And I think hopefully we'll see that from him. Now, one driver we've only mentioned in passing so far is Elfin Evans, obviously, who came so close to to winning in argentina uh came within a within a bridge of, of doing it i guess on the power stage losing by seven cents to newville obviously should add that evans also lost a lot of time earlier in the rally to things outside of his control so he seems to be coming on really well in the in the dmac car the dmac tire seems to have improved certainly on the on the gravel colin you've said you expect him to win a couple of rallies this year are, are we seeing evans fulfilling that potential after the the massive setback of being bump down to part-time so. and a full-time BRC campaign last Sometimes year. that's what you need, and we see that with, with, with a number of drivers. We've seen it with Tanak and, and drivers in the past who sometimes just need a little reality check. Uh, Evans has definitely come back with a different attitude, a different mindset. Uh, and what he showed in Argentina, yes, the tyre was better. It was better than it's ever been. Whether it was better than the Michelin is quite another matter. Uh, may have been fractionally better, but it certainly wasn't that much better. Remember, he had a one-minute lead on Saturday lunchtime. But what impressed me, I wrote about this in my column, Motorsport News, what impressed me was Evans at the end of Saturday. Now, a lot of youngsters, having had a one-minute lead, one minute and six seconds, wasn't it, David? Having lost nearly all of that in the afternoon's loop. At the end of the day, there wasn't any of the woe me, what could have been, why have I lost all this time? He said, I've still got an 11-second lead. If Neville wants to win it, he's bloody well going to have to fight me for it. So he didn't look back. He didn't look back at the negatives, the what might have been, the, oh, dearie me. He was still looking forward and positive, and he knew that he had the pace 
yeah. to beat him on that final day. And that's something we've never seen with Evans before. He and knew if it went well, it was his rally. And two years ago, he would have looked back and he would have been demolished. And he would have been beaten at yeah. the end of the day because he would have been he would have spent yeah. the whole night thinking, why me? Why, why did I have that puncture? Why didn't the car work well? Why did the diff do something strange? And why did I spin in stage yeah. 10 or whatever? He would have spent too much time reflecting. And too much energy. Too and, much energy yeah. and focus. He is now a different competitor yeah. from the competitor we saw a year he ago. He is, and for me, we have to give absolute credit to Malcolm. You know, there was a lot of people at the end of 15 that really questioned bringing in this French guy, Eric Camille. Yep, Colin, you were among them. But, you know, Malcolm's been around the sport a long time. He knew what he was doing. He could see that Elvin could do with that step back. Um, and it was, you know, it was difficult. I remember in Australia in that year, you know, Elvin struggled like hell. Okay, he came back in Corsica in... Um, was it 15 and drove really well but it, it was difficult he struggled to deal with all of that but the the Elvin Evans that we've got this year is for sure he's going to win rallies this year he's a championship contender going forward and absolutely the way he dealt with the pressure through the final second half of, of Argentina was exceptional but Malcolm has done that before Itanak was the same yeah. yeah go out there being too rough too early keeping back for a year and then uh, developing and then bringing back so it's the same with Elvin now it's uh, you, it seems that this system works yeah? yeah i think it's it's not too bad to get the guys in early show them where they have room for improvement and that they are not there yet because they come in with a big head and then show them look you are nowhere compared to the others get them back develop and then come back stronger but i don't think Elvin ever had a big head as such i think no Elvin's, no, no i don't Elvin's mean his problem no. was that he he, I know you weren't saying that, but but I think Elvin's problem was completely different from some of the other youngsters who get their opportunity. He, he always behaved like an employee. Like, he, he never behaved. He almost didn't have his own thoughts, his own plans, his own strategy, his own responsibilities. Uh, you know, you got the feeling odd. that he felt lucky to be there. Right, and, as if and he wasn't part of it. It's changed. You know, we saw that change coming through last year and suddenly he stands there on his own two feet. And, you know, Malcolm said in the debrief after Argentina, Elvin was making noise. He was disagreeing with the others. And, you know, this is suddenly the change that we've seen him. He is absolutely, you know, it's a horrible phrase, but he's grown a pair, hasn't he? And he really has come forward and he's right at the forefront of the, of the championship. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, that tyre will only give him the opportunity to win on certain Ooh, rallies. This year. I, I would disagree with that. Having spoken to Elvin and to, to, to the boys at DMAC, from what I can understand, that's, that soft medium that they've got now, or they said, let's call it a medium compound, that's great. But apparently there's, there's a big advantage with the hard compound. You know, from what I can understand internally, DMAC are looking at Sardinia as the big opportunity. Exciting stuff. It's so exciting suddenly stuff. you look at every gravel round, there, there's an opportunity for Elvin to win. And then you look at GB and they've got a joker to play. They can bring the soft back. And if the tyre is that good, you've got Mads Osberg, who, who yeah. again, you look at Osberg's pace in Argentina and he looks like a rejuvenated driver. He's only 29. Yeah. Mads Osberg's been around forever. He's 29. Yeah. He's only a year or two older than Evans. Yeah. Uh, he has pace. If Osberg also goes on to the D-Max, yeah. again, it's another... Uh, from Malcolm's point of view in terms of the driver's championship with Ogier in terms of the manufacturer's championship it's yet another win for Malcolm it's very clever it's working out well for him it is absolutely another driver who we've mentioned in passing is Hayden Padden his his star was in the ascendancy with Hyundai at the point when Nouveau was struggling it's been a pretty horrible year for, for Padden I think he said Argentina was basically the low point of his career performance wise he's had a, a really difficult year 
performance-wise and for other reasons. So why isn't he able to get the best out of the car? I know he talked about the driving style. He's not smooth yeah, enough. Is, is there something about this generation of rally cars that's mitigating against certain no, types of driver? Or is it just something else? For Hayden, it is the setup of the car. Um, and the car, naturally, he drives the car a bit more aggressively. He drives it from the rear. Um, whereas as Danny and Thierry drive it with a little bit of understeer uh, and much more sort of conservative style. Uh, and for for sure, for the last few months, for the last six months of, of last year as well, Hyundai spent a long time trying to tailor his driving style to the car. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do because driving style, it has to be instinctive. It has to be natural. Um, and now they're working with bringing the car back to him. You know, with this active center diff, there's a lot more they can do uh, in that direction. And for sure, there's been a change within, within the team. Uh, and Hayden talked about this in Argentina, that now they've got to start working on bringing the car to him because for sure, when it works, he's got the pace as well to be, you know, maybe not on tarmac. And I think, you know, he, he will always struggle a little bit with the way he works the tyre on tarmac. But for sure, on the gravel, he's a guy that can be world champion. And Hyundai is going to need Padden and Sordo to, to be delivering. I mean, the same point you were making about yeah. Toyota going, that you need the other drivers to do that. And currently, you'd probably say overall M Sport is the team that so far has been consistently taking points off off its lead driver's rivals, if you like. But Hyundai on paper looks like it should be able to. Yeah, you'd you'd say, you know, Hyundai, probably they've made the most mistakes. Uh, and that's reflected in their position in the championship. Um, but yeah, just to go back to Hayden as well, you know, the guy's really struggling at the minute. And, and now is going to be a big challenge for him. We saw with Thierry when he was right down there. And, you know, a lot of people predicted it was the end of the road for Thierry uh, in the way that we'd seen with Francois Duval and these kind of guys. But Thierry picked it up again and and Hayden has to do the same. And, and you know, you just got to hope that Hyundai can put their arms around him and, and bring him back. I, I don't even think he needs arms around him. He's not he's that not sort that of kind guy. Of guy. That, that no. valor's an arms around him sort of yeah, guy. No, Whereas, um, he's a Kiwi. You, 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 give, you give Hayden Padden a hug, as I'm prone to do occasionally, <laughs> and you know it's not welcome. You know it's not welcome. Man hugs don't really exist in his world. Uh, he's got some resolve, and he's got, he's, got, uh, he's got the right attitude. He's got the right work ethic. Um, and, and he's a realist. You know, he, he understands where he's at, and he understands what he's got to do. He's, he's not living in some cloud cuckoo land where he thinks that uh, he's entitled, if you like. He will work hard, and he's always worked hard. He will just work that little bit harder. I, you know, I fear for him. I genuinely fear for him because the dynamics have changed within that team since 12 months ago when he won in Argentina. Um, but I, I, he does have that ability. The speed is undoubtedly there. Something hopefully will just click, and it will come to him in that new car. But- I, I, you know, in, in, in Argentina, he was so unfortunate because the accident was really unlucky. You know, he... Slow was second gear up a left hairpin or something. You know, it was a ridiculous accident that certainly didn't deserve the the consequences. But after that, he struggled. You know, it was anti roll bar. It was little things yeah. every time he because st- he was quickest. But at you know, the end of the first and- pass on on uh, El Condor, I mean, it was it was actually quite distressing listening to him because it was you know yes he'd had such a high there last year and it was the perfect stage. Drivers go for the perfect stage and and very rarely achieve perfection in any stage. I think. Padden's drive through El Condor in 2016 was as close to the perfect stage as you're ever going to get. And the contrast this year, and, you know, he said the car's undrivable. I don't know how to drive it. I don't know what it's going to do. And you're watching him thinking, this is just desperate. It's desperate to see this. They have to sit and listen to it and watch and be part of it. 
Uh, it's such a massive he, contract. He's got he's got a big change coming with with the new co-driver. We're going to see that in in Portugal um, with with Seb Marshall coming in, and maybe that's that's the thing that he needs. I don't know. Maybe the, the, they've run their course with with John. You know, John, a lovely guy, and the, one of the best co-drivers in the world. But maybe they just need that break. But now. Sometimes that's all you need. And Josh, you, you'll know about that more more than any of us. You know, with, with drivers, it is in the head, and if if, if it's not the car. You know, the driver feels that he's still got it. The only thing that the driver can really change to try is, is the co-driver. You can't change the car. You can't change the team. You can't really change your driving style, but you can change the co-driver. It's a bit like Leicester City Football Club. Ranieri was doing everything right, getting no results. You put in the assistant manager, and all of a sudden they win three or four games in a row. Still the same team. Still the same team, the same players with the same potential, the same ability, but something has just changed in the mental approach. And I think that's what Padden will be looking for with Sebzi alongside him. Sebzi is different, though, as you say, from Sebzi. I mustn't call him that. His mother gets upset with me. for Seb, Seb Marshall. Uh, he is very different from John. Um, but I don't think John going now rather than at the end of Finland is any reflection, as you say, on John. I think it's a reflection on the situation, the desperate situation that Padden finds himself in now. The only thing he can do, really... Um, is change the co-driver and see what happens. I think before we go, it's worth having a look ahead to Rally Portugal, which starts on May the 19th. Last year, a Chris Meek win. So not a Volkswagen win, unusually. Oh, <laughs> he also said some interesting <laughs> things. He said some interesting things after Portugal. Yeah. Oh, Portugal. And after. Before, yeah. <laughs> but you were absolutely right, weren't you? You were proved right, completely right. And we just, just to remind the readers, it was or the listeners, it was uh, to do with the running order and the fact that Ogier was first on the road, cleaning the road on days one and two. And Chris had had a he'd been away from the championship, so he's running further down the order, and he absolutely trounced the rest of the field, didn't he? Yeah, I think that was was obvious before, and with this regulation as they were in place, it was like this, and it was not, uh, you know, from from my side, was not complaining against against Chris, or as it was said afterwards, not at all. If I would have been Citroen, I would have done exactly the same because the regulations are there, and the manufacturers have to utilize the regulations to their best uh, to their best ability and to their best uh, benefit, and that's what Citroen has done, and I would have done the same, but it was predictable. But I think if Rally Portugal is anything this year. It's it's not predictable. It is. Uh, well, it- I don't know. We, we talked about it in the car on the way down here, David. I think from a British rally fan's point of view, this could be absolute utopia. I think it could easily turn into the battle of the Brits. I think Meek has the advantage of road position, and we saw last year that uh, road position does have an effect. And I don't. They were right at the end of a very dry spell last year. I'm not quite sure what the weather's been like this year, but we have Chris Meek with his advantageous road position. He should be with his experience from last year, the man to beat. But the unknown factor is Elvin Evans. How are those DMAC tyres going to work? We suspect they're going to work brilliantly. He's in the form of his life. He's got confidence that's right up there. To me, it's the Battle of the Brits. It's back to the late 90s and the heyday of the Brits in Portugal when Colin won twice, when Richard won. I think British rally fans in Portugal are in for just a fantastic time. I think you're exactly right there, Colin. But equally, it would be a very brave man that discounted someone like Thierry running third on the road. Uh, and Tanak. And every now and then, would he sustain it for the whole rally? Probably not. But Sordo's gone well in Portugal. You know, we've seen some speed every now and then. So, yeah, I think you're right. Looking at, at the running order, unless we get there and it's five degrees and raining and miserable, which would probably hurt, that would hurt Elvin quite badly with well, that. It would with help Bozier tremendously, wouldn't it? it? Would, absolutely. Yeah, that's about the only conditions that I can see that are going to rule the DMAC car out. Uh, and yeah, for sure, Chris goes there on real sky-high confidence uh, and looking for back-to-back wins. Well, it's good that it's 
being so unpredictable, I guess. There's so many factors, so many, so many challenges. I want to put everyone on the spot and just say, 2017, driver's champion. Who's it going to be? Let's let's start with Yost. You can be on the on the spot first, and we we can't say Mickelson, obviously. <laughs> I, know, I know everyone will be thinking that, but uh. <laughs> it's it's difficult to say. It's a difficult question. I think when you look at the car driver team combination, then Thierry, uh, I think is the best. Has the best overall review. You know, if you add everything and divide it, then I think he's by far the... He has the best opportunity this year. But you can never write Sepp off through the to the duration of the season. So um, even if I think that, that Neville has the best overall package from his driving, from the team, from the car, everything, I still believe that Sepp will do it at the end because of his unbelievable capabilities in developing the car, motivating your team and and uh, knowing exactly when to push and when not. So I think his reliability at the end will make it. Personally, I uh, I would like to, to look forward to a Chris Meek championship this year because it would give us some incredible stories to write in the, in the next few rallies. But It'd be a hell of a comeback. It would be a hell of a comeback. Stranger things have happened, Ed. We've got the seats, is it? No question there. <laughs> But I, you have to agree with Jos there. You know, Ogier, he knows how to win tough. Uh, and it's not particularly tough this year. And he's still winning. It, he's and a it champion. Could get, it could get a bit messy. It could get a bit dirty. I mean, we might find that, you know, it's all, there's a lot of camaraderie in the sport of rallying. But, you know, Ogier is the man that's prepared to go down to the absolute basic level to win. And it could all get rather messy. But I totally agree. I think, I think the fact that Ogier clearly is in a car which, which has some potential still to be extracted from it. Whereas I think Neville's car is doing what it will do for the rest of the year. I think the fact that he has the intelligence, the experience of being a four times champion, uh, it'll be tight. We're not going to have a winner by um, Spain, I don't suspect. It'll, it'll be tight. It could well go down to the wire. Yeah. And we might see some tactical driving in GB to decide road position in, 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 Australia. in Australia. Who knows? Yeah. But I think it'll be tight. But yeah, Ogier is the man for me. Well, it sounds like we've got unanimity because I'm going to go for Ogier. My rationale is purely that I think you win championships on your bad days. And as I think you said earlier, David, Argentina was Ogier off the rails, still in fourth place. So that that's the way the way I look at it and, and do across all forms of motorsport. But it's going to be a, a cracking journey to, to get to who is champion this year. Certainly, it's been fantastic so far. Well, thanks very much for, for your time. It's been, it's been great to dig into the WRC and there's been some very impassioned discussion here. Plenty to, plenty to think about. Thanks to Jost Capito, to David Evans and to Colin Clark for their input. You can listen to Colin on WRC Live. You can read David Evans in Motorsport News out every Wednesday, in Autosport Magazine out every Thursday. There's also autosport.com carries extensive coverage. And there's a, a Motorsport News website you might want to start checking out soon. That's that's out in, in beta version. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.